Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host, and just want you to know that I appreciate you tuning in today. So speak to me. I've got an awesome team that helps me to produce a show that hopefully brings you not just entertainment, but practical knowledge that you can use about stuff we care about and believe you're going to care about too. But I need to know what you're thinking so I can continue to bring you the kind of shows that interest you. So jet me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com and share your thoughts with me. What do you think of the show? Do you find it riveting, boring, valuable, even horrible? I want to know. And if you missed part of the show, all you got to do is hop on over to my website, talkwithfrancesca.com, and go to recent shows to pick up where you left off. And you can also find me on iTunes. All right, lots to cover, so we're going to get rolling. How do you survive when you've hit rock bottom? How do you move on when your partner betrays you? What do you do when you find out your foundation was built on lies? These are all questions Janet Lombardi was faced with. But what does love have to do with debt? Janet found herself in deep financial distress when she discovered her accounts were drained and her husband was being dishonest. Eventually, she pulled herself from the the piled up debt, got her life back on track, and she's here with us today to tell her story. She's a mother, author, and financial literacy specialist who's gonna let us in on the life lessons she's detailed in her book, Bankruptcy, A Love Story. Janet, thanks for being with us today on Talk with Francesca. Thank you so much for having me. So, well, first of all, I love uh, the, the uh, cover on your book, Bankruptcy, A Love Story, with a woman walking away in a suitcase and a love balloon. Very nice. Did you create that? Thank you. I worked with the graphic designer. Um, we did pick out the photo. It was a stock photo. And I really wanted the image of, I wanted to tell the story, a story on the mm. cover. Mm. I love book covers that tell a story and draw mm. you in. It looks like the kind of book I'd want to grab and run to the beach with. Anyway, oh, <laughs> but anyway, so but let's get let's get to the nitty gritty here. So, how and when did you discover that your family finances were in trouble? Well, uh, there was one very distinct turning point when I had called my financial advisor. I was married for 25 years at that point, and I called my financial advisor at the beginning of 2007 to find out why we hadn't received our statements because it was, we were still receiving paper statements in those days. Mm. And he said to me, you'd better ask your husband and get yourself a good lawyer, a good accountant, and a private eye. And I <gasps> said, what? I was stunned. I said, boy, he really got my attention. Uh, and it wasn't like I hadn't known that something was awry. But when he said that, I really, I knew that something was, had gone very wrong. My husband was an attorney in private practice in New York. And... He had an attorney's account and had done a lot of transactions through his attorney's accounts. And I, I, I never saw those statements. So I, I didn't really discover how bad the finances were until, until then. And um, I went home and, and I actually took two days off work. And I decided that, that I would excavate our financial life, which was not easy because there were many files and some of them my husband had, some of the bills he paid, some of them I paid, and I had to 
uh, deconstruct and then eventually reconstruct my financial life. And it was very scary. Oh, that pit in your stomach. How did you deal with that emotion? Well, uh, initially, uh, when I went home that day, I remember I thought about it for a day or two without actually confronting my my uh, husband, now my ex-husband, at the time my husband. Um, so I kind of wanted to think about it mm. and get a little game plan, believe mm. it or not, even mm. though I was very upset. In fact, my sister just happened to call me in my office right after I hung up the telephone, and I was crying at my desk and shaking. And I was like, you know, and she, she kind of helped me because she said to me, uh, do you have money uh, jointly in your accounts? And I said, yes. And she said, I want you right now to go to the bank and to secure that money and make sure that that mm -hmm. money is now in your name. Take it out of the joint account, which I did. Good. So I kind of needed some instruction. Mm -hmm. um, so there were a lot of emotional highs and lows. Oh. because oh. it went on for some time. It wasn't, I didn't go home and fix it. You know, we didn't go home and fix it. In fact, I confronted him the following day, and he it, admitted that he had emptied the accounts, and kind of like he was treating it like it wasn't really a big deal, mm. and I expected that he would fix it. And when he did not, that became very frustrating for me, but again, it was another wake-up call. What Wait was he doing with all the money? That very good question. Uh, a couple of things. One, I did discover eventually, and not too long after that, that he had a drug problem, uh -huh. number one. Yeah. Um, so, and it wasn't as if all that money was going to, you know, buying drugs, which some of it was, uh -huh. but most of it was going to very poor judgment. You know, he was spending the money on things in very poor judgment as a result of that drug and alcohol problem. So uh, he got involved in some international finance deals that I don't think he understood, and I certainly didn't understand. No matter how many times he tried to explain it to me, I didn't understand it. Yeah. But he was sinking a lot of money into that and supporting some things. You know, and basically he he kind of got stuck. He got scammed. But it was it was a lot of money. And um, you know, when I was looking through all of our financial records, when I went home that day and took those days off work, and I was alone in the house, um, I did order our credit reports and you know uh, I can certainly get my own but I had to get his permission to get his and he gave me his permission and when I looked on the credit reports that was another hysterical moment so there were kind of a series of hysterical moments you know eventually my husband uh, did get prosecuted um, for a white collar crime which was taking money from his clients accounts oh wow okay yeah. yeah and then he got prosecuted and he did go to prison how long was he in prison for? Or how long is he still there? A year. Yeah. No, he was there for a year. Okay, so looking back now, do you remember any red flags that you missed or just wanted to ignore? Absolutely. Yeah, tell us. One of the things one of the things was my husband um, would never have a real discussion about money. Hmm. Um, whenever I wanted to, to kind of pull pieces together, because it wasn't like I wasn't smart hmm. and um, aware, though I wasn't fully aware. Mm -hmm. He... He he was very resistant, and I kind of like bought that resistance. I went with it, you know, because I thought, oh, is he, he's probably right, not that bad. Um, so he he would never sit sit down and do that and do it honestly and with open disclosure. He would leave the room. He would say, oh, I'm going to get this password tomorrow, 
or, you know, we're going to file our taxes next week of getting oh, yeah. an extension. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, so the old manana. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Mariana, yeah. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm talking to Janet Lombardi uh, about her memoir, Bankruptcy, a love story of how her her husband scammed her. Um, so what did you learn about yourself, Janet, in the process? That's a very good question. Um, I learned many things about myself in the process. Well, by the way, all these, the- all these great questions are, are, I can't say are all mine. I have an absolute... Mm-hmm fabulous assistant Mary Ellis who is always throwing these fabulous questions at me before the show so <laughs> I have to give thank her some you, of the Mary credit Ellis. yeah she's a she's a peach she's great anyway um yeah so, so yeah so what'd you learn about so yourself w- one of the things I learned about myself I never realized how determined I was mm. I always kind of thought of myself as the person who you know I, I was a self-proclaimed feminist mm. but I think deep down and it was very hard for me to admit I think I felt that somebody would take care of me, mm. you know, having maybe grown up, you know, in the 60s in a generation where, you know, it was, it was a little bit different than back then. There was more of an expectation that someone, and especially in my family, which I grew up in an Italian-American family where... Oh, yeah, um, the man takes care know, of the woman, I know, because I know, I know, because I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I wouldn't dare say that if I weren't 100% Italian, but anyway, yeah, yeah um, Gina, exactly. we do need to take a quick, short break and hear from our sponsors. Listeners, don't jump on that plane, we will be right back. <laughs> Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Are you looking for a professional photographer? Headshots get you noticed. A headshot is your first impression to the world, whether in print or online. Kevin Tai of Three Circle Studios specializes in professional headshots for the Greater Boston entrepreneur, academic, and creative. He does this by drawing out a depth of subtle expressions of warmth, confidence, intelligence, and leadership. What do you want your first impression to say about you? Let Three Circle Studio help you get noticed. Call today, 617-875-2282. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. 
are listening to Talk with Francesca, and I am speaking to Janet Lombardi. We are discussing her memoir, Bankruptcy, A Love Story. Welcome back, Janet. Thank you. So <clears throat> what kind of habits need to be formed in order to bounce back from financial missteps like this? You need to be resilient, one. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm going to say determined. Mm. And you need to be willing to endure some pain if you want to get back on a good financial footing. I was very determined to get out of the mess. I, you know, I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't eating. I was just in this, in this dark patch, right? As we mm. all get to or into or out of maybe not as dramatic as mine. But um, I always say if you live long enough, you know, something's going to happen. Yep. So, yep. How, how, you know, it's not about hoping it doesn't happen. It's about how are you going to deal with it. Right. So my way of dealing with it was I wanted to know what I had to do. I was always a very good student. So I wanted to know, well, what do I have to do to get out of this? Mm -hmm. So I became very determined. And I saw that there were three things on my list that needed to take me to solid footing. And it took me a couple of years to get out of the debt. One, I... Um, made a choice to sell my house, mm. which we had uh, taken out this very big subprime mortgage, this very ugly mm. mortgage that was accelerating. This is in 2008. So, I mean, remember, the American population, the American financial landscape was in that ugly recession. Mm. And, you know, my story is one of those, it, again, it may, it, it may be much more dramatic, but there were many people who lost their homes or you know, had to sell their home. So I decided to sell my home, which, and go live with my sister and brother-in-law for two years, it turned out, while my husband went off to prison mm -hmm. because I wanted to get out of that mess. Uh, two was there was a loan, a business loan that had my name attached, attached to it somehow. It's, it's another story, and it's all described in the book, Bankruptcy Love Story, um, how, I, how that happened and how I got out of it. So I wanted to get out of that. And we also had a timeshare, which was the last thing we needed, and I needed to uh, sell that. And I, di I didn't sell it, but I actually made uh, negotiated with the company, and they let me off the lease. So I talk about it like all of these things. So I kind of considered it like a punch list. Mm -hmm. So I had to do one, I had to do two, I had to do three, and uh, I also had children in college. So, so you were very laser-focused, weren't you, huh? Yes, exactly. I was laser focused. And again, I, I discovered that about myself, that I could be laser focused and I didn't need somebody else to take care of it, that I could take care of it. Because you know, I, I realized that the only person who was going to yeah. take care of me and mm. my children mm -hmm. was the person staring back at me in the mirror. Oh, absolutely. So was, Very resilient woman you are. So, so you know, and that is the, is great when you're in a situation, you just go like gangbusters. When did you have time with to, to deal with the feeling of betrayal and loss? Because mm, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I felt betrayal and loss throughout the entire process. Yeah. Um, so I would kind of alternate between taking the emotion out of the decisions that I needed to make, which is not easy. No, uh, no I had not. I had a lot of people help me. But I, I really did try to do that. I tried to say, no, I, I need to get here, and this is how I need to go. But that doesn't mean that there weren't – I cried every day. Oh. I cried every day. I would go – I was at, at my office. I would go into the ladies' room, and I'd close the stall, and I would, I would sob because my life was not what I had hoped it would be, be or become. And I did feel betrayed. And, and things kind of kept uncovering 
So it wasn't as if my husband came to me one day and said, oh, you know, the accounts, um, you know, I, I had to empty them. I had to discover that. I discovered that he was getting prosecuted by the, um, by the district, uh, you know, district attorney in New York um, because I found a piece of paper that had come from the, bar, the New York Bar Association that was, talk, it was describing an investigation um, against him. So he, he didn't come to me with that either. And I think uh, on his part, there was a lot of fear, obviously, and a lot mm-hmm. of shame. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was afraid that he was going to lose everything, which in a way he did, but in a way he didn't, just as I didn't lose everything. I mean, I, I say that sometimes, uh, sometimes um, being in a mess can be a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, there's, there's always a silver lining. It's just very hard yeah. when you're in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious um, if there was a time during all this, whether you were ever ambivalent about wanting to, you know, heal the marriage or, um, you know, because sometimes women and men, you know, they, they, they all see a horrific thing about their partner, but they don't want to mm-hmm. let go. But I can't have you answer that until we take one more break. Listeners, stay with us here. we got a great story. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6. 7733 or visit us at Do you have chronic pain, neck, shoulder, or low back stiffness, headaches? Amanda King, licensed massage therapist, can help. Located in downtown Salem, Amanda has over 13 years of experience helping people with pain, injury, and stress. She can help you feel better, move better, relax, and enjoy your life. So call today to book your appointment at 617-461-7516 or learn more at www.clearbodymind.massagetherapy.com. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. back and you are listening to talk with Francesca and I am speaking to Janet Lombardi about her love story um actually her book bankruptcy which is a love story welcome back Janet 
Thank you. So was there ever a time that you felt like, geez, you know, I can work it out with him or you know how, because you were married a long time, right? Yes. How how many years were you married? Uh, We were married for ultimately for 28 years. Yeah. And and you had kids. It was 25 years and we had children. Yeah. So was there ever that time when you were kind of, for lack of a better word, maybe delusional or, oh, I can make it work or we can patch this all back together and make it right and I love him and I, I'll stand by his side. Did you go through any of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was ambivalent. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I, the yeah. reason that I call my book Bankruptcy a Love Story is because there is a thread of love going through the whole book. At the beginning, um, you know, I, I, I met, met him, you know, fell in love with him. And because I had discovered something about him, and this is my case, this is me, because I had discovered something about him, which was pretty horrific, uh, I could not just turn off the love. Of course not. I wanted to. I wanted to. And I described this scene in my book where I go to my therapist and I tell her, like, I want to I want to hate him. Mm, of course. Because... Yeah, I want to hate him because I want to, quote, move on. Mm-hmm. I want Absolutely. to heal. I yes. want to get better. So I thought that if I hated him, yeah. then I would be angry enough that I could leave him behind. We did separate, but still, it was the emotional attachment. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Well, it and time, she, takes time yeah. for feelings to be processed. They don't, it, hap- you know, it, they don't happen. You know. It definitely takes time. Mm, yeah. And she told me something so helpful. She said to me, you know that love that you feel? She said, how about if we put that in a vessel and you kind of hide that in your heart mm. and we just set it aside? Mm. And it freed me because I was free to love him in the way that I wanted to love him. And I could also be angry. I could be disappointed. I could be all of those. And I could be determined that, you know, this was not, you know, how I wanted to continue my life. So I I was at war within myself about you know my feelings. So it's very complex. Very and complex, absolutely. It's, it's not. Yeah, you know. And one of the reasons I read the I wrote the book was because I wanted to kind of explain this behind the headlines. You see these headlines about people who do you know bad things. Say in our in my case, my husband, you know, um, you know, committed a, a, a white collar crime. Yep. And you say you say, oh my God, he says scum but in in it but i am on the other side of that and i am thinking we are this is a family with feelings Mm -hmm. and we love each other and yes he did a very horrific thing and yes he hurt people but there's also some good in that man so i you know i i wanted to explain the complexity i didn't you know i I wanted to get away from like kind of that one-dimensional finger pointing blame um, you know, you did it. I wanted to show, also, I wanted to show my part in it and right. how the marriage and all of the things came together in kind of a perfect storm. So it is very complex. And especially, you know, you have a world together. We did eventually get divorced after a couple of years. We never lived together after we separated and he went away and came back. We never lived together, but I always, in those, it was about three years actually afterwards where I was kind of in this. I don't really know what we are. And then we did eventually get divorced, and I just remarried last year. Oh, how wonderful. So I want to ask you, what were the most significant changes that you had to make when you realized that you were in this financial trouble? Just curious. Mm. Um, 
Well, I think the most important thing that I had to do was um, gain financial awareness. Right. And, uh, yeah, that was a very, very big – because and, – and I also want to say that I joined um, a 12-step group called Debtors Anonymous, mm-hmm. DA. Mm-hmm. And even though I wasn't really the debtor in the situation, I still needed to look at my relationship with money. So I learned a lot of things, and I, I feel like that group of wonderful people – really kind of saved my life because I learned yeah. that I had to go from vagueness, vagueness, right, to mm-hmm. clarity. Mm-hmm. They, I Like vagueness, I, I kind of have an idea of what I have. I think it's in my head, you know, but had I actually sat down and with my husband and put everything down on paper, I really wish we had because I know that we could have gotten out of that, that mess before it became such a horrific ordeal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very important to gain financial awareness. It's such a pleasure having you with us here today, Janet. Thank you so much. Thank you, Francesca. So, so um, what did you do that helped you succeed? Um, you know, I mean, obviously you got to debt as anonymous. You had your support. Right. You learned how to be not vague. You, I mean, be more focused on on your, you know, how you handle money. What else? Well, I learned to be very thankful for the things that I had and, uh, and, the, and the love in my life and the people that in my life. I, I, I kept my attitude as one of abundance. Like, I've mm. never looked at myself as a victim because ah, I, didn't want to be a, great. I didn't want to be a victim. Right. And right. I, didn't want to, I didn't want to blame him or anybody. I wanted to take responsibility. So I, I looked at my situation as I am the master of my own ship. Now, you know, did it take me a long time to kind of gain that attitude? Yes. But that's the place I wanted to be. I wanted to not be a victim and not blame anybody else and not wait for anybody else to take care of it. And it really it empowered me. Tell us more how you did that, because I think that's really very, very meaningful. And, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people could really um, benefit from from um, that kind of advice because I think and especially yeah. women I think as women again you know there's that whole Cinderella complex you know yeah. um, it, you know I, I'm divorced now but um, you know I'm in a relationship but but mm-hmm. when I was my ex-husband I mean, I'll never forget our first date um, you know at the end of the day he said okay Cinderella you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. I think I I died and went to heaven and I decided that mm-hmm. I was madly in love after that very first date right and mm-hmm. I mean it was when mm-hmm. I look back I mean that was actually my absolute favorite fairy tale when I was a little girl you know that right. that I don't know if you know the Ham- Rogers and Hammerstein uh, sure. Cinderella right that old one with Leslie Ann Warren and oh you know and I think that there is you know I think there is there was a book written a zillion years ago called the Cinderella complex and you know mm-hmm. I mean certainly women have really you know they're not like they were way back when but i still think there's a big part of us that you know is sort of innate you know and it's it's almost yes. like i don't even know if it's our upbringing so much but the way yes. we are you know we're women we're the caretakers we're the not the caretakers we're the you know well we are we you know we take care of the yeah, relationships the care- we t- take givers. care of the home mm-hmm. the men go out and get the bacon you know and and that's like kind of in our core our dna and i think that can be really 
really challenging to really shake that. So I'd love yeah. you to share with our listeners how you really kind of, you know, looked beyond that and said, hey, I can take care of myself and I'm a big girl and I'm going to do this and I'm not going to be a victim and um, I'm going to be resilient. How did you, how did you get there? Did you pray? Well, did you meditate? Did you do yoga? Yes. Did you cry? Did you, what did you do? All of those things. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right, though. I just want to acknowledge that I think you hit the nail on the head. And as I said before, uh, as, as, a, as a self-proclaimed feminist, it's very difficult for me to admit that I actually hoped that my husband would take care of me. I wouldn't even admit that to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm admitting it right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I've yeah. had some conversations with younger women, and they say, yeah, they have that too. So I, I don't know if it's in our DNA. And... Uh, you know, we can talk about gender and all that, and, and that I'm sure some people would disagree with what we're saying. However, myself, I did have that feeling, but I, I, I kind of had to learn it the hard way because my husband did not step up and help. Mm-hmm. He wasn't changing. And I, I, I finally got it o- over time that I was kind of wait, you know, waiting for him to, you know, well, you're going to fix this, right? You know, and and I reached a point where I realized that it's not he didn't want to. He couldn't. He didn't know how. He didn't have the ability to fix it. So, and I said to him, "I'm not going. I'm not going down with the ship." And I meant that. And I don't know what happened inside, but some, some, something, some kind of alchemical, you know, mm. some, yeah. some difference. Something happened. So it was a wake up call. And I wasn't going down with the ship. So what was I going to do? I wanted to survive. I wanted to live a good life. So I knew that I had, and I recognized very quickly that I not only had the ability, but that I had the will to do it. And yes, I did pray, and I did ask for help from people, yep. which is another thing I think yeah. is really important. I do too. People will I help do too. you. So do too. People will help you if you help yourself. Yep. And you do the things that that are going to, you know, help you get from A to B. You, you, the universe comes running. Honestly, I think so, they, I think I think you're right, and I think the, I think you're absolutely right. I think we, I think the most difficult thing is when we're indecisive. You know, mm-hmm. sort of like I want to, you know, like for example, oh, you know, that ambivalence. I love him. Maybe I can, you know, fix this for us, bring our family back together. You know, that sort of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I know that you know when I'm sort of in a a situation where I'm I'm unsure, um, you know, and I'll talk to my boyfriend. He always says, very grounding guy, he'll always say, you know, what do you really want? Be very clear mm-hmm. about you, what mm-hmm. you really want and then go mm-hmm. after that. You know, just, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, he's a guy mm-hmm. and guys think differently about emotions. It's like, forget the emotion. Forget the emotion. Decide on what you want, right. how you're going to go after it and and go with full guns. You know, right. and but that is the, that is hard because if you because emotions do get in the way, and so when mm-hmm. the emotions are in mm-hmm. the way, I think that's when the universe also gets confused. It's almost like you have mm-hmm. to say to the universe, "This is what I want. Right. This is what I'm going for." Bum. And if you don't, you're like, oh, "Yeah, back and forth, back and forth." It, 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 it's they can't assist you, right? 
Right. It, it can't assist. Right. It can't. It can't be assisted. And I think you're really. But but that that still is. I think that's a process. I don't think that's something you can just say. You wake up one day. You're in a situation. No. I'm gonna. You know, cut through all this, and I'm gonna. I think that there is that process of yes. letting go of and and really getting quiet with yourself and saying, what is it really? What's what right. is it that I really want? And what is really practical? What is, and then even the, when you get the answer of what's practical, what's right, I mean, there's still, right. you know, and, and if there's still that ambivalence, we have to tune in again to ourselves and say, what am I holding on to? Right? Yeah. And if, no, we, if we know it's right, if we know what we're holding on yeah. to, then, you know, then we can tune into ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to pray to to be able to have that release, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. yeah, it's, it is a process. It is a definitely. Process. It's yeah. a process, and it's, there's a there's a, a, a slogan in twelve step that says feelings aren't facts. So you can have the feelings, and you can feel the feelings, but they they change. So if you want, in in my case, and because it was a financial situation, um, I said that the numbers tell you the truth. So you you may want something. You know, how do you, well, how do you then, you know, go on to change your life? Mm-hmm. Well, number one, you need to be willing, mm-hmm. right? You need to be willing. You need to understand that you don't know all the answers and you need to be open to a new way to, of doing things. And you have to have the courage. You have to have the courage to, yes. you know, be in that state of transition. You know, it's yes. almost like, you know, the word transcend, transcend, you know, because you really did have mm-hmm. to transcend from where you were to where you are now, right? But yeah. when you think about the word transcend, it's trance end, right? Right. Right? The word trance right. and then end. So you are you were coming out of a trance. And when we come out right. of a trance, what do we do? We're we're kind of confused and our head is sort of spinning and right all that. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. Janet, it has been yeah. such a pleasure talking to you today. I just loved it. I wish we had more time, but thank you so much for being with us today. I'm sure that the listeners just love the show. So, so thanks. Thank you. Okay, Janet, you take thank care. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. You've been listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca calling it a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share the show with someone you know. Help spread the word to your friends on social media. I'm honored to be on this journey with you, and I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a note at info at talkwithfrancesca.com. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week. 